so much. Brilliant. Well, it feels a bit like coming home this morning, so I feel weird introducing myself, but a lot's changed in 10 years. So my name's Gavin. As Mike said, I'm married to Hayley, and we've been married for seven and a half years now, which is crazy. And um, I was part of this church for a number of years, back when I was a little bit younger and had a few less grey hairs in my beard. Um, I had a number of great years here, and it's just, yeah, thank you so much for having me back this morning. I'm one of the elders at Jubilee Church Teesside, um, and as well as being married to Haley, I've got two wonderful kids who are in kids' work. There they are. They're uh, very cute. Now, let me just tell you something about being a parent, okay? A lot of you here will be parents and grandparents, and having kids is great, but sometimes I wonder whether I'm a parent or a referee, because they fight so much, don't they? It's like, so the other day we were in the kitchen just cooking a meal and I heard some commotion coming from the living room and I thought, what's going on? And then my daughter Eden comes stamping out and she says, mommy, daddy, I don't like my baby brother anymore. I want my baby brother to go in the recycling bin right now. And part of me's like, okay, she wants to recycle, she cares about the planet, that's good. But I mean, where does anger coming from? (laughs) Just to say, Jubilee Church Teesside send their love. Um, We've recently moved into a brand new venue for our Sunday mornings. Um, We've started meeting in this beautiful old Methodist church in Stockton. It's amazing. We, for 20 years, met in a school, um, and now we've finally got our own place, and it's just great. There is, though, one downside to our new building. All right, and it is the pews. All right, the pews are so uncomfortable. Now, if I can give you any wisdom today, if you can take anything from this sermon, it's this, okay? Don't ever take those comfy seats for granted. All right, you have got some nice seats because pews are so painful. Like, I mean, as a preacher, it's good because I know no one's going to fall asleep during my sermons because there's no way you can sleep on those pews. Listen, thank you so much again for having me this morning. Um, Let's get into our passage in a second. I know you guys have been going through the Gospel of Luke um, for a few months now, and I caught up with John's talk last week. Is John here this morning? Yes, it was amazing. I caught up with John's talk last week, and I thought, this is a tough act to follow. All right, so um, I'm sorry you've disappointed this morning, but we've come towards the end of Jesus' life, haven't we? And do you know, there's something so faith-giving and life-giving about going through the life of Jesus. I hope you guys have been blessed over the last few months going through the gospel because it really is good news, isn't it? The gospel is good news. It's life-transforming, life-giving good news. So we're going to be in Luke 24 this morning. Let's read together. The words will be on the screen, I'm sure, as well. Brilliant. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and then on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And when he came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all of the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, um, 
and the others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe them. They did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Brilliant. So let me just give you a bit of context to this passage then, okay? So this story has taken place on Easter Sunday, the very first Easter Sunday. And as Christians, as you know, Easter changes everything, doesn't it? We're going to hear more about that this morning. Easter changes everything. Um, so we can now celebrate Easter Sunday. We see it as a time of joy, a time that we're thankful for. We celebrate together. If you're anything like me, you sing happy day every Easter Sunday and you celebrate. But at this time in this story, that couldn't have been any further from the truth. The ladies who, who approached this tomb weren't skipping or celebrating on Easter Sunday. They were mourning. They were mourning the death of Jesus because on the face of it, Jesus had been crucified. The Jewish leaders had won. The revolution that Jesus came to bring seemingly had failed. The claims that Jesus made about himself, maybe they weren't true. Maybe this guy was just a bit of a joker. There had been a sense of confusion there had been a sense of defeat, a sense of fear. Like, God, what is all this about? We've given up our lives to follow you, but what's happened? What about your plans? What about your promises? Can you picture the scene? That's how they would have been feeling. That's the context of this passage. God, what about your promises? Maybe that sounds familiar to you. Maybe you've gone through times like that when you've just wondered, God, what about the things you promised me? So, that's the kind of sense we have in, the, in this moment. And the women approach the tomb, and verse uh, one says the women were carrying spices. And spices were maybe similar to us bringing flowers to a tomb. They were kind of a sign of love and respect. You see, for these women, they were paying their respects to a dead Jesus. They weren't expecting anything other than that. They didn't approach this tomb with hope. They approached it in mourning. You don't take spices to a grave if you expect the guy to be alive, right? These guys weren't expecting what they found. So they walk up to the tomb and they find a stone rolled away and in they walk and they don't find the body and they're, they're puzzled and they're like, what's going on? And then they're, they're greeted by two angels and this is what they say to them. This is a key phrase for all of us. I want you to listen carefully. They say, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Basically, they're saying, stop your mourning, stop your weeping, stop your, your crying, and remember what Jesus said to you. He's alive. He's defeated death. He told you he was going to do it. He is alive. Don't cry anymore. Don't waste your time looking for living things where there's dead things. You're wasting your time. And do you know, I feel like that's something that the world needs to hear at the moment. I feel that's something our churches need to hear. This is a message that we need to take out to the world. Jesus isn't some historical figure or some dead king. He isn't some God who maybe lived a while ago and is now dead. No, he's alive. He's changing lives today. He's impacting people across the world. He's ruling and he's reigning. And if we waste our time looking for him amongst dead things, we will find nothing and we'll be wasting our time. You guys don't sound excited enough about this. He is alive. 
He's alive. He's not dead. Thank you very much. He is alive. See, the problem that we're finding in the world, and we're seeing this in churches across our nation and across the nations, is that they're treating Jesus like some historical dead figure. They're focusing on religion and religious attitudes. We must do this because we've always done it. We must pray like this. Our church services need to look like this. We need to act a certain way. We need to reach a certain standard. We're acting like our God isn't alive. But this is um, Topi Colioso, who's leader of Jubilee Church London and author of a number of books. He says this, and I think it's spot on. He says, many Christians assume that they must become religious. Sadly, many well-meaning churches unwittingly impose a long list of rules and obligations. Some find this so-called Christian lifestyle impossible to sustain and drift away, slowly turning their backs on Jesus. I mean, that's sad, isn't it? It's such a sad thing, but it's such a common thing. We make it about religion, but that's wrong. As the angel said, why are we looking for living amongst dead things? Religious attitudes won't lead you to Jesus because Jesus is alive. And let me tell you, King's Church, we need to start inviting this living king into every part of our lives. Let's not live lives that are religious. Let's not look at dead things. Let's invite the living king into our day-to-day lives and allow him to transform them. That's so important. Let's expect to encounter the living God. Listen, we're just getting started this morning. All right, this is a massive, meaty passage, so I hope you're excited. All right, let's get back to our passage for a second. See, this story here, this moment here, this is what history points towards. This is the ultimate kind of focal point of history. It's the key foundation and the key cornerstone of the Christian faith. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything really does. The resurrection is the thing that sets us apart from every other faith group and every other religion that you'll find. See, Christianity is the only one that says God became human and then defeated death. Death could not hold him. He rose again, and that has to change something, and not just on Easter Sunday. And as I've said, we need to live lives that reflect the fact that this has taken place. We need to live lives that reflect the fact that the resurrection has happened. Because if not, if not, we're just like any other religion. We can do all of the good we want, but it doesn't mean anything. It's like you guys in this church do amazing things, like unbelievably good things. I'm astounded by the King Center and the furniture scheme, and the food bank, and the cafe, and all the other things that I hear about soup kitchens, and all sorts of stuff. I'm absolutely astounded by all of the amazing things that you do. And I really mean that. As another church leader, I really mean that. But let me tell you, what makes all of this stuff amazing is that it comes from a place of understanding the resurrection. All right? It comes from a place of understanding that Jesus is alive, because that's what this church is built on. And if that wasn't the case, what you're doing is just social action. And anyone can do that. Anyone can do it. Anyone can serve the poor. What sets you guys apart and what sets us as Christians apart is the truth that Jesus defeated death 
And that motivates us to want to go out and take this news to others. And one of the ways we do that is by serving the poor and being a light in our town. But it has to reflect, it has to come from the fact that the resurrection has taken place. All right, I'm really, I really am excited about the resurrection, all right? It's something which I'm passionate about, and I'm going to give you five reasons why, all right? Five reasons, just really quickly, don't worry. Um, but you can tell have let me out of Jubilee for a week, because I've done away with a three-point sermon, haven't I? I've got five for you this morning, five really short ones, okay? Don't tell uh, the guys at Jubilee, but five things to tell you really quickly, okay? First of all, first thing is, the resurrection shows us that the kingdom of God has invaded our world. God's power is at work, and now we're headed for redemption and not disaster. We as people are headed for redemption and not disaster. And this is so true because Jesus defeated the grave because he came back from the dead. Heaven has invaded earth, and the ending to the story is now different. And that's something that's worth celebrating. So like you guys know the drill, right? We're separated um, from God because of the wrong, wrong things that we do. The Bible calls it sin. It creates a massive barrier between us and God. We're separate from God. We're dead to the wrong things that we've done. And the result of that is disaster. Eternity separated from God. But what happens now because of the resurrection? Heaven invades earth and interrupts history. And now there's another way. The story doesn't have to end in disaster and defeat, but it can end in victory if we put our trust in Jesus. That's an amazing truth. There's hope. But the New Testament talks in places about us being raised with Christ. It says that his resurrection creates this new life for us, and we're born again and brought into new life. You can find that in 1 Peter 3, 1 Corinthians 15, Romans 6, lots of places we see it again and again. We're brought into new life because of the resurrection. We then live in the power of that resurrection. We become new creations, able to serve God and be used for his purposes. It's a complete transformation. And all of that is true because of the resurrection. It literally changes everything. Second thing, second thing that I'm excited about is that the resurrection teaches us and points us towards eternal life. And this is special, all right? Do you ever think about that? Eternal life. We get to live as Christians forever. We get to spend eternity with God. Yes, thank you, one person. We get to spend eternity with God because the result of Jesus rising from the dead is that we can be in a relationship with him and that's a relationship that lasts forever. In fact, it's the only relationship that lasts forever. It's such an amazing thing. We can experience eternal life and the alternative the alternative to eternal life doesn't bear thinking about. The Bible's really clear about that. It does not bear thinking about. We've got a glorious hope and a glorious future to look forward to. And as I've said lots of times this morning, that has to change our lives. It gives us hope. Hebrews 6, 9 calls that hope the anchor for our souls. The thing that keeps us rooted, the thing that keeps us grounded and secure. We've got a hope and a future. Look, maybe you're suffering with an illness and you're finding it hard. There's hope for you. 
you've got a glorious future. Maybe you're nearing the end of your life. You've got a glorious future. Maybe life's been tough for you. Maybe you suffer with addiction to drugs or alcohol or something similar. You've got a glorious future to look forward to. We've all got that glorious future to look forward to where there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no sadness, there's no illness. There's just complete freedom and being in the presence of perfect Jesus. That is our future. Come on, let's have a clap for that. Come on. Come on. This is good news, everyone. This is great news. You know, this hit home for me last year during lockdown, all right? We had a guy in our church called Paul, all right? And um, excuse me if I get a bit emotional here, but Paul was a single guy who lived on his own in his flat in Stockton. Um, and he had his problems with, um, with alcohol in the past. And he had some mental health issues. Um, and let's just say Paul was quirky. Is that a good word, Haley? We call him quirky? Paul was quirky, all right? But you know what? Me and Paul, like, really hit off. Like, we just clicked and just became great friends. And the thing about Paul was, he just didn't get church. So he used to like request worship songs on Sunday mornings. So like the worship band would be about to get up um, and then Paul would be like, hey, 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 can you play this song this week? It's my favorite. And it was like, "Uh, Paul, we're starting in two minutes. (laughs) But Paul had his favorite worship song and he would ask for it every week. It was called Raise a Hallelujah. And he would stand there in church, lost in wonder, and he would sing, I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. And he would be there, lost in wonder. And do you know, the thing about Paul was that he didn't know much, really, but he knew he loved Jesus. And he knew Jesus loved him. He adored Jesus with all of his heart. And during that first lockdown last year when we were all isolated and we couldn't see anyone, Paul used to ring me every day and we used to chat about life and faith and all sorts of things. He'd ring me at the most inappropriate times, like when I'm baffing the kids or putting the kids to bed and we would chat. And then one day he didn't ring me and I thought it was a bit strange. And then a couple of days passed, he still hadn't rang me and I found out that Paul had actually died um, on his own in his flat in Stockton. He'd, He'd passed away. And you know what? When I found out, I was devastated. And our church was devastated. We loved Paul. He was, he was quirky, but we loved him. We adored him. And then as I sort of grieved, I thought about where Paul was now. And I pictured him, as I did in church, with his hands in the air, raising his hallelujah to Jesus in the presence of the one he adored with all of his heart. And suddenly my morning turned to worship. And I remember announcing it at a prayer meeting that he died on Zoom. And as a church, we worshipped together because we knew that Paul had a glorious future. And we too, as Christians, have a glorious future to look forward to. And the resurrection assures us of that. Look, the third thing that excites me about the resurrection is that because of this eternal life, because of the resurrection, we can find meaning in tragedy we can find meaning in tragedy. Look, suffering and tragedy for a number of people is the biggest stumbling block towards Christianity. We're in the middle of our Alpha course at the minute at Jubilee, and one of the questions that we always hear on Alpha is how can God allow suffering? How can a loving God allow this to happen? Like, where's God in this situation or that situation? 
And do you know what? I ask it myself. I ask that question myself. I look around and I see a messed up world. I really do. I see people fighting and arguing about politics and Brexit and vaccines. And I see people getting sick and dying, your families torn apart. I see racism still raging in our society today. People abused because of the color of their skin. I see girls afraid to walk home on an evening because they're scared of being attacked. And I see people scared to trust the police in a local area. We see, we see a messed up world. I see the planet being destroyed and the environment not being cared for. And I can ask myself, where is God in this? We can all ask that question. But this is important, okay? Because of the resurrection, because Jesus is alive, as I've said, we have a, a beautiful future and a confidence, okay, that we've got a hope and a future. And in light of that hope and future, all of these questions, all of these things pale into insignificance. In light of that glorious future, all of the hardship that we see in the world, all of the suffering, all of our questions, they don't matter in the light of the future that we've got. And that is so important to hear. I feel like some people maybe need to hear that this morning. But you know what? That's not the end of it. Because actually, he's also walking through those moments with us. When everything else in life feels like it's falling apart, we can cling to the solid foundation and the solid foundation is our risen king. It doesn't make the situation any easier. It doesn't make the suffering go away. The tragedy still hurts us, but we've got a risen king who's walking through situations with us. And if you need to hear that this morning, please just take a minute to thank God for that. He's walking with you in whatever you're facing at the moment. We can find meaning in tragedy. Okay, fourth thing, I'll make this really quick um, because I've said it a few times today. But the resurrection assures us that we serve a living God and not a dead idol. Okay, now Tom laughed at me last night for quoting this guy, but rapper and Christian author Governor B says this. He said, there'll be no Governor B fans in this church. And I said, that's all right. We got one. Oh, hey, come on. So Governor B says this. He says, I used to be guilty of viewing God as this kind of storybook character. This guy sitting way up there that I could occasionally pray to and ask for material stuff. And if he was in a good mood, he'd answer. He was my personal genie and I had no need to speak to him otherwise. Who's ever seen God like that? It's a common standpoint. We forget that God's alive, and if we do, as I've said already, we end up getting religious. But come on, kings, we're not religious people, are we? We don't base our lives on rules and regulations. We don't base our salvation on how many prayers we can say or how many good things that we can do in order for God to accept us. We don't only talk to God when we want something. No, we live in a relationship with the living God. We have Jesus in every part of our lives with us. He's there to empower us in difficult situations, comfort us in hard times, and rejoice with us in victories. We're not religious people. We're in a relationship with the living God. That's so important. And again, the resurrection makes that true. 
Okay, fifthly and finally, the resurrection and our relationship with Jesus means that the very power that brought Jesus back from the dead lives in us. Come on, the very power that brought him back lives in us. Romans 8, 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. This is great news. The Holy Spirit lives in us and empowers us to follow God in a difficult and challenging world. Do you know, let me tell you, it's hard being a Christian, isn't it? It's hard. People often say, the Christian walk is like a battle. And that's wrong. The Christian walk isn't like a battle. It is a battle, isn't it? It's a battle that we face every day. We've got a world that wants to undermine God. We've got an enemy who wants to come in and send us off course and ruin things and put a barrier between us and God. That's the world that we live in. And you know, on the face of it, you might say, why bother being a Christian? It's too hard. It'd be easy not to be. It'd be easy just to do what you want and you know, live, a, live a, a different life. Why be a Christian? It's hard. But actually, Jesus doesn't leave us on our own. Because of his resurrection, because of him defeating death, we're in a relationship with him and we've got the very presence of him in us in every part of our lives. That power is in us. And not only do we have that power, but we can also expect to see that power at work in and through us every single day. Do you ever think about that? You can expect to see the Holy Spirit work in your day-to-day situations. When you pray with someone, when you share your faith, when you serve others, you can expect God to move. Whether that's in the King Center, in a workplace, at the school gates, in the hospital, with your families, wherever you are in your day-to-day, you can expect to see the Holy Spirit move. And that is such an important thing. That's five encouraging things to talk about and remember about the resurrection. But I think we should respond this morning. If I could get Graham back up in the band, that would be great. But listen, we've, um, I've said a lot this morning, all right? Five points. But I think there's a lot in here for us to respond to. And just as I was preparing this week, I felt like we needed to respond to this message. Because for some people, all right, some people here, maybe that whole thing, about looking for the living amongst the dead stands out for you. Maybe as I was saying that, you thought, actually, I forgot what it means to have the living God in my life. Maybe things have gone stale in your walk with God. Maybe it's become a little bit religious. Can I encourage you this morning? Don't look for the living things amongst the dead things. Come back to him. Come and ask to encounter the living God. Ask him to reveal himself to you again. Get excited about the living God again. For some of you, I think you really need to hear about your hope and your future. Maybe life's tough for you at the minute. Maybe there's an illness or a sickness or a family situation and it feels like it's burdening you and weighing you down. But can I encourage you to invite Jesus into that situation? Thank him for your glorious hope and your glorious future. And thank him and remember that he's walking with you right now in whatever you're facing. He's here. He hasn't left you. 
He hasn't abandoned you. I feel like some people just need to worship in a second and just thank God that he's right here with them. Fix your eyes on him. And you know, some of you as well, you need to remember that the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Maybe some people have forgotten the power they've got in them. Maybe you feel flat and empty. Well, COVID's done that for a lot of people. Being locked away has left a lot of people feeling flat and feeling empty. Maybe you haven't prayed as much recently. Maybe you haven't asked the Holy Spirit to come and equip you and fill you every day. If that's you, then as we worship, just ask the Holy Spirit to come and encounter you. Ask him to come and fill you up and send you out in power. You don't need to feel flat and empty. And finally, and finally, some of you, as I've been talking about the resurrection, changing everything, and Jesus being alive, you've realized that you've never said yes to Jesus. You've realized that the resurrection hasn't changed your life. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. But that can change this morning. You can enter in a relationship with the living God. And everything that I've said, which is true about Christians, all those amazing truths, can be true about you. And if that's you and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm just going to be stood at the front with, with Mike and I'd love you to just come over just as we worship. Everyone will be having their eyes closed and worshiping. Just come and speak to me. I'd love to chat to you and pray with you. Um, so guys, why don't we stand and then we'll worship.